Welcome back, pod people, to another episode of Cinema de Mori. I am your hostess, Lexi, and with me I have my co-hosts... Justin and Chuck. And this is my month where I take over the show, and we are discussing movies created by YouTubers and YouTube, but two of them are made by YouTubers themselves, and then another one we're covering that was made by YouTube Red. So it's a little bit different than what we usually talk about. I think there's a conversation to have here. Um, you guys are putting this all in my hands and hoping that there is a conversation to have here because I know that nobody was really super enthusiastic about this month. And I do apologize on that. I want everybody to always be excited and have fun, but I'm hoping that there's something interesting here to talk about. So our first film that we're going to be talking about is the angry video game nerd movie so did everybody enjoy watching this movie <laughs> i did not okay yeah it was a, it was a movie for sure and i'll give him that credit <laughs> he did indeed make a movie okay uh youtube i had to look up the date and when it was conceived so youtube was made in like 2005 that's when it basically started so it's barely 20 years old yet. It was made in 2005. Yeah. Um, but it it is now in our current zeitgeist. It's one of the most prolific media platforms outside of like your, your standard issue streaming services like film, television, and YouTube. So YouTube has kind of sort of become, I don't want to say a replacement, but like an addition to consuming media in a different form and a different medium <clears throat> and youtube's medium is designed around you the individual creating a product and then uploading it onto their website when it initially started uh it was not monetized it was just a place for you to upload videos and people could share those videos and then eventually it became uh, viable so you can make money off of doing it too and so a lot of people have made careers out of making youtube videos and you know the angry video game nerd <clears throat> he's <clears throat> sorry about that he's one of the earlier um adopters of this whole kind of thing um i started watching him when i was in like college because he used to upload stuff on like screw attack and things like that um he's a film major first and he has an obsession with like film. He's made several like independent little films when he was like a little little kid, and uh, so he has a strong background in film and filmmaking. Is he the Ed Wood of our generation? <laughs> I don't think he's the Ed Wood of our generation, but maybe he's the Ed Wood of YouTube. I can go ahead and go that far. Um, he, uh, when you watch any of the early early. Um, Angry Video Game Nerds. He directed, wrote, starred in, edited, positioned the camera. It was a lot for him. Like, he did every single aspect of it. He had a friend that did the, the theme song, and he would have him on the episode sometimes. And then he had uh, his other co-friend that would work with him. I don't know if it was a co-worker or co-whatever. But um, they didn't really do a lot. It was always him. Like, this was something that he just kind of did on his own and built the following through it he wasn't initially on youtube he's always had a uh, cinemassacre which is his website 
and that's where I used to upload all of his stuff. So I used to watch him on there too. Um, he's since, since moved over to YouTube and has like a channel on there, but he's definitely regarded by the YouTube community as kind of the go-to OG of game review. Like all kinds of YouTubers and YouTube styles were stolen directly by this guy because previous to people like him, a lot of the content you were getting was like terrible audio. Somebody in their house just like has an idea and they just record it with their handy cam and throw it up. And he kind of took that out by recording his audio separately and having like proper audio tracks and being a film person and understanding like the process. So his content, even from an early inception was way better than most YouTubers content at that time. And there are over 50 clones of him. There are some clones of him that are direct ripoffs of him. There are some that have success for it or whatever, but like you wouldn't be the, the YouTube review space, especially of, um, you know, old media. He kind of built the whole format in a lot of ways with that. So, and he's still around. He still puts out content. He still exists in some form. I wouldn't say the content's good anymore. He has uh, since given the rights to Angry Video Game Nerd to Screw Attack, not Screw Attack, uh, Screenwave Media. He's not quite what he was, but he started making this movie uh, in like 2010, actually enough. Like I know it come, came out in 2014, but he crowdsourced money for it, funded it himself. Um, whatever he couldn't get through, like Kickstarters and that kind of stuff. I don't know if he had Kickstarter at that time when he was. You're being kind doing. because I read that he started writing a script in 2007. Oh, okay. So it goes that back that far, and uh, he just has had a really tough time trying to get this movie made. Um, he films a lot on location, so he goes out to California and shoots a lot of like real world locations. Um, and he found a way to correlate this movie for when they actually did dig up the um, the ET cartridges, which were found in the New Mexico landfill. He went to the landfill and recorded an episode there and did his review on a screen, which the end of the film is that review. So he recorded like a whole separate thing and did it live and all that kind of stuff. And it was a big event. Um, He's got a huge fan base, so he's one of the larger people. So this movie is definitely made for them. It's not really like what I would sit down and be like, oh, this is a movie that deserves like a theatrical release or anything like that. It did have one for like two days or something like that in like very select theaters. He did succeed in that. But yeah, it's definitely a niche film, but it is made by one of the more prolific and important YouTubers who kind of created the whole modern format of how you review uh, old media, films and television and all that kind of stuff. So you got to give him credit where credit's due. So this is his movie. We're going to be talking about his movie today. And uh, I have a fun story about this movie. Uh, In 2011, I was supposed to work on it and do special effects for it. I applied to work on it and uh, I was accepted but I had to go out to California basically in like three weeks to be able to work on it and do it. And I had just started a job at a 
call center and I just started dating my ex. And there was this part of me that just was like, I don't know if I'm ready in this exact moment to go out there. Like I, I had just been homeless and I was kind of like uncomfortable with putting myself in another precarious situation, so to speak. Cause it's like, you never know how this shit's going to work out or any of that. So in a lot of ways, I feel like I missed out on opportunity with that, but I did have a chance to basically do the special effects for this movie, which after you watch it, I probably would have been totally fine doing it. So I was about to say, was is that the reason why they weren't that good? They had to settle for someone else. Yeah. If I had been there, the effects would have been better. Now he, uh, he likes like old, he's really into old fifties and sixties movies. That's really his jam. He's obsessed with the universal monster films and he has a large collection of like, 50s and 60s sci-fi drive-in kind of shit so when he makes all of his content not just this one he has a very strong penchance to go back to those just bad effects those wacky out there kind of practical effects so he wanted to do as much practical in this as he could and you know the whole ending sequence is all practical pretty much there's some like blue screen work here and there Uh, uh, i mean it's definitely a mixed bag He's got some VFX in there that are not very good, that kind of thing. So I guess the plot of this movie is that E.T. is considered to be, the art E.T. on the Atari 2600 was considered to be the worst game ever made. It was made by a gentleman who only had five weeks to make it. And if you are actually interested in the story of that, it is an actual fascinating story about the guy who made that game. But there's lots of documentaries about it. <clears throat> but it's classified as the worst game ever made. And because he reviews the worst games ever made, everybody's been asking him for years to review this game. And he absolutely refuses. He's like, no, I'm not reviewing that. And everybody wants him to do it. And so the whole plot of the film is basically about getting him to finally review the E.T. game well ending up on some sort of large winded adventure of some kind. I guess there's a company that's making a sequel to the ET game and they know that people hate the original. And so they want to put out a sequel. I like how you're not definitive. You're like, I guess they are in the story. They are They're a hundred percent making ET too. Yeah. And they are just trying to, make it shittier than the other one so that people will have that, I don't know, that nostalgia or whatever for how shitty the original was. And it's like, people like that it's shitty. That's why they want to play it. So there's that. The movie's got a lot of, like, jokes about the culture that he exists in and that kind of stuff. And he has a friend that wants to be like him but isn't like him. Apparently he's his producer, which... That guy and all that kind of stuff never comes up in the show or any of that. There's a lot of plot points in this movie that if you're a fan of AVGN, you're just kind of like, you're there for AVGN. You're not there for any of the other kind of stuff, and you're just waiting sort of thing. It's definitely too long. It's like two hours long. I don't know why it's two hours long. It's an hour and 40 minutes too long. Yeah. (laughs) That's not fair, but I guess it's kind of true. Did you guys watch any of his previous stuff before watching this movie, or did you just go in blind? No, yeah. 
I've watched Angry Video Game Nerd whenever he was doing it in the early 2000s, the dawn of YouTube. I remember I had a friend that said that this person reminded them of me. <laughs> That's why I started watching it. I thought that a lot of his videos were pretty good when they were actually covering the bad retro games. He's made 200 episodes now, and he's had the venture into other things and things that aren't so bad. I was talking to Chuck, and there was one review about this Bible video game that he found. The perfect Bible games type of game to go over. I always remember in the back of my head the Baby Moses thing where you can throw <laughs> Baby Moses yeah. in the river, beat that level, because it's just each level is a different Bible story. Congratulations, you beat the level, but it looks like you forgot Baby Moses. You forgot Baby Moses. He works better as that character in short spurts. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's definitely a, a movie that is for these fans. It's like one of the first times I would not recommend this movie unless you really like this channel on YouTube. The plot's kind of thin. You don't even really get a great idea of what he does besides review movies. It would have been better if he had opened with some kind of actual review of what he would actually do. Right. I don't want to be mean to the guy that has been working and doing all these videos forever, but I don't understand how you have seven years and it's not bad because of the practical effects. It doesn't seem like enough time even went into figuring out this story. I kind of understand the B-movie concept. That's what he's going for, but I don't think right. that he even really succeeded at it because he tries to do a mixture of like the early 2000s comedies road trip comedy even and he tries to mix it in with this he had the guy from suicide squad in it the polka dot guy david dasmal chain yeah he was in it. yeah he was the weirdest as soon as he came up i was like oh my god that's an actual actor that's been in like hollywood productions which one was him he's he's a random no-name soldier that reports back to the general oh, it's just like okay he's the guy out in the field that's like we're digging it up sir we found it and he just has like that one line and i'm like oh my, that's like an actual actor that's like worked for like uh, yeah, like like in Hollywood and has been in like Academy Award nominated films and he's randomly in this. And the only person that I think is bigger is Bear McCrary, who did the music for this. It, yeah, that's a name. He did a really good score, actually. <laughs> did you say that's a name? That's that's a name that I know. <laughs> he did the God of War games. He did the new Lord of the Rings. He's done Walking Dead. He does a lot of TV stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. He's kind of grown from it. And I read a thing about him where he is so excited about this movie and the score because he grew up doing the 8-bit, 16-bit sounds basically have made sounds for years and years and have not got to use them on anything in any sort of score whatsoever so it was like finally i could unleash all this stuff that i've had built up and have already made in the past i think that that's pretty cool i would agree that this film's biggest weakness is the story itself and the fact that it's just too fucking long I remember watching this when it came out because I'm I'm a huge AVGN fan. I've watched everything because I liked him because I was in film school and he took the film school approach to things. He didn't take the YouTuber approach to things. And so he stuck out for me and became something that I kind of latched on to because his quality of his content was really good. If you ever get a chance, side thing, his board games where he talks about board games, you'd really like that where it just becomes like this weird like ghost kind of I don't know what, like, existential crisis kind of thing. It's an interesting plot and that sort of thing. But this movie had, like, too many side characters that you're completely unfamiliar with. Some of these side characters, they were talking like he does. Right. And I thought every guy that showed up that started talking like that, I'm like, oh, is this his father? 
And then it just ended up not being his father, just some other random ass character. Well, I kept trying to figure out if the girl who was like the in the, the main story, if that was his wife or not, too. But it's not just some actress. She's not in anything else as far as I could find or anything that I was familiar with. I feel bad for, for most of these people being in this movie. You think this is going to be a big breakout because you're getting enough people watching it. I mean, I know that he had a tight budget, but I think he would have been better off handing some of it off to other people because, like you said, he does everything, and it looks like a person that's done everything. Right. Which is not a compliment. It works in the format that you're doing when you're doing the short form, where you you have that ability to have as much creative control over the process, but at the same time, your goal is only anywhere from, like, 12 to 20 minutes tops kind of thing. So you have a lot easier time making those sorts of things work and then you can focus on the game and the discussion because there's not a lot of focus on et in this and then of course the plot is just all over the place there's there's also some really good jokes in this but that jokes that will go over most people's heads if they're completely unfamiliar with et at all like the alien and the 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 rubber alien in the movie that looks like the video game version of et is that what you would have made if you were working on the Angry Video Game Nerd, the movie, with special effects, would you have been making the alien? I don't know what they would have wanted me for. I, I, feel like, I feel like so much of it, they already seemed to know who was doing the effects and what they wanted for it. So I couldn't possibly tell you. I'm a makeup artist, so by trade, I don't necessarily... Like, I do bold making and things like that. But my focus is really more on makeup than it is on, like, making rubber creatures and things like that that wasn't really my forte in school i thought that was makeup no it's a puppet i thought that was some guy in makeup it's a really bad puppet (laughs) like i like how he grabs him and because you stretch your neck out to get out of the pits in the game like he stretches his neck and floats away kind of thing see i think that's the best thing about his reviews is that the content comes based off of how bad these games are to begin with and the bad decisions that are made or whatever happens in them like et it is funny where it's like for some reason he stretches his neck out and that makes him float which isn't in the movie at all right i mean nothing from the et game is in the movie other than a phone i guess (laughs) yeah like the games barely resemble what the movies are most of the time right that's kind of the content that's good and in this movie it's not really anything that you get until like the credits you get a a rundown of what it is that he does right exactly and it wasn't even that good (laughs) during the credits but this is like one of the few times where i was watching something and i felt like i had adhd like i was like zoning out and whatever the hell the story (laughs) was like i was like i don't even remember what happened or what was happening i'm like trying to get back into it you feel like you you just like blanked out and missed a scene out of the movie because it just feels like there's parts where there's things missing from the movie that should have been there that would like explain something. There's parts where it's just like, I don't understand how they got from this to this. But also it, it does just feel like it, it gets from, like you were saying, it starts out as like that road trip type movie, which is a weird place to begin with for this type, what the movie wants to be. But then when you get to even the part where they had to find the guy that created the video game the the original et game and they go to that guy's house and he's like shooting at them and then they go in his house and he randomly has like what looks to be a leftover level from a 3d mario game and then they just move past that like that wasn't weird or like (laughs) 
like that, that was just nothing and that never comes up again that this guy i don't know this guy somehow created a lava level in the middle of his fucking house right the best part was when they talked in the refrigerator and it wasn't that 10 minute scene that was way too long in the refrigerator it was after they got out of it and the the like government that's listening that's like oh i couldn't hear them they were inside a refrigerator at all time they were in the refrigerator yeah yeah he needed somebody else editing that movie i think i'd agree with that you want to star in it you want to shoot it just have somebody else cut this thing down there's a lot of good i find in like the first hour of the film i would say that's probably where the most strength comes from like when we get introduced to him and then it's like you find out that this isn't just what he does he also has a day job where he works in like a shitty game store that kind of stuff but i think it starts to drop really hard like once you said like once the road trip starts because then then there's too many plot points coming into it like he he had a fairly focused plot from the get-go like we need you to review this game everybody wants you to review this game i have refusal to review this game there's like maybe some secret behind this game there's the landfill we can figure out with the landfill that kind of stuff when you start introducing the government characters and like the 15 minute cat fight on the top of the paris and vegas the giant monster suit battle that goes on for like 15 minutes solid and it's really just an excuse to like roll toy trucks down a hill and light them on fire and those kind of things it's it's hard to keep justifying it being something worth your time its best point is when the alien finally shows up and drops him down and he finally gets to do the review of the game and talk about it like that's one of the best points in the film it felt kind of sexist to me too it did absolutely i'd agree with you that was the weird thing is i was like i was like i feel like this movie passes the bechdel test and still somehow seems offensive to women at the same time like i was like yeah i was like is that possible like i was like because i was like it has those two women and they talk to each other and it's not about a dude and i'm like like man this i feel like his movie passes the test but still somehow is like offensive to both of them it really was i'd agree with that 100 percent. well <laughs> the way that he portrays the women in it are really hard stereotypes too like his nerd girl even though she's like a, an agent for that cockbuster company or whatever cockburn yeah this movie's also like too childish for adults but the humor's too adult for kids. It's like yeah, it's like everyone's everyone's it's it's like that yeah, the movie everyone's swearing all the time in the movie, so it's like, oh, this has to be for adults, but yeah, most of that humor is just like this is shit, man. Shit. I, I it's like drinking <laughs> shit. It's like plucking dry turds off of a Yeah. Fire. He like gets to that point at some point, and I feel like that's where he's even his more recent stuff where yeah, I, I think I watched one of his more recent videos from like a couple months ago and he's still kind of doing like those same jokes that are just like they're just like yeah like this is like licking shit off of a dirty window or something like that and i'm just like that doesn't <laughs> even make any sense man like you're really, you're really stretching to like keep this character like saying the same stuff for for this many years he should have held it off till the end not said anything like that till the yeah end it should have been like yeah at the end he just like goes off the rails and like that's almost where i i, I would like be more interested if it was uh like yeah, if if the whole thing was about like that, that he's really not that guy. Like if everyone he's was like, oh, oh, he's the yeah, he's the, he's the angry. He's like there, and it, yeah, if everyone like just kept coming up to him, and be like, be angry, be the angry nerd, and he's just like, oh, I'm not that. You know, it's just a character. Like, come on, man, get angry. And like, then at the end of the movie, yeah, he like goes off and and goes nuts. Because I I've watched his other videos, and I actually do. I, I kind of enjoy more. 
I've seen his videos where he talks about like just actual movie reviews. Like he'll talk about like Halloween movies or something like that. Yeah. And I think like just his regular personality, like he gets his points across and like, you can tell he's a real smart guy and like knows what he's talking about, but he gets too lost in the, in the nerd character in, especially when it goes on this long that you're just like, all right, man, calm down. Like you can't be at a 10. Maybe that's why he sold the character. So he could be like, have a reason why he legally can't be him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So he could like, do some more other stuff yeah that's the problem of like when your movie starts and you're at a 10 you can't go anywhere from there because you started your movie at, yeah. at just absolute too much so then the entire rest of the movie is just him doing that for too much yeah you're right it makes me think of like larry the cable guy where it's like this guy picked this persona that he's, and he's trapped fuck, forever fuck i gotta stick right. with this character forever i think like the first five ten minutes of this movie too where it's just a bunch of youtubers like and people like praising him and stuff he cut that whole scene out i almost guarantee that had to have been like a kickstarter thing that was like one of the goals of like yeah. if you donate if you donate ten thousand dollars i'll like i'll put you in and you can you can record something because I, I i thought the same thing i was like i was like this feels very unnecessary but i know how he had to make this movie and i can right i, I almost had to have been like those are like his biggest donors because I, I mean they had tattoos of him and they had like yeah. action figures of him. So it's like, you know, those are his biggest fans that would give him like $5,000 and then just to be in the movie for like two minutes or something. He would have been good paying some sort of known celebrity to be one of those people, I think. <laughs> A lot of the people in the movie, especially at the very end there, like Pat the NES Punk is there. Um, there's a huge amount of people from like Team Awesome, uh, Channel Awesome, I'm sorry. Uh, there's a lot of like just gaming review alumni that were all in the end of the film, like the large crowd that was there to like talk to him and y- yell out to him, and the ones that were running into the fence and everything. Those were all like big name YouTubers. That would be a better movie, I think. Watching the entire gaming community come together and like a disaster artist version of the YouTuber generation of this time. I'd agree with that, but like. They're not actors. They're YouTubers. So it's like you bring a bunch of these YouTubers together. That's why you'd have actors playing them. Right. <laughs> so this is kind of one of the, the things I wanted to like bring up. Like YouTubers make a character. Like this guy, he makes a character. And he's really capable of maintaining and making that character fun and entertaining built around this platform that allows for this. Because... The Angry Video Game Nerd could never be a TV show either. Like, that would never be something you'd watch on network TV. If you did, it'd be something you'd find, like, at a weird hour or something like that. It doesn't have that quality about it. So it's in this middle ground between, like, independent project kind of stuff and, like, a new medium that's come along that's given him the ability to kind of monetize this idea and move forward with it. And it gave him enough of a fan base that he felt confident enough in himself to go out and make an entire film around it and the film's got no studio backing and then the people that he brings into it he's also bringing in from that same community and those people that he's has in that movie are all people who kind of bite his style like they're all people who watched him and said i can do this too and then went out and started doing it and so even amongst that group he's still the strongest actor comparative to the other YouTubers. I think the best one out of all of them is Pat the NES Punk. I watch him all the time still. 
I, I wouldn't even say he's the strongest. I would just say that well, a copy of a copy of a copy is never going to be as good as the original. The original, yeah. I don't know if you remember back in the day, but it was around the same time that he was starting, like maybe with that first year or so. People did reenactments of SNL skits. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. You couldn't even find the SNL skit. You would be sifting through people literally just copying the exact thing that they saw shot for shot, line for line. Not yeah. funny. They couldn't deliver anything. And I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> Why are they doing this? Like the one where they're just randomly eating lettuce. That would be everywhere. And I'm like, I can't even find SNL's original skit for this. It's just everyone under the sun eating lettuce. <laughs> An interesting point to point out with this movie, too is I can think of at least six people in that crowd who have since been accused of, like, uh, grooming or, like, Only six. had their channel shut down. <laughs> That's or... a lot. That is a lot, it's still, yeah. It's still a lot for, for who's there. Of the seven cast members, six it, of them were grooming people. They were. Well, one of the people that he, he puts in the end credits um, a um, in memory of um, Justin whatever, and it was this guy, yeah. Drew Wario. And Drew Wario is probably one of the biggest scumbags to ever exist on the internet. And I'm like, at the end of your movie, you're like giving a, you know, in memory of this guy who committed suicide because he was caught grooming underage children by his wife. And his solution was to kill himself instead of face up to the things. And then all these allegations. Yeah. That's even weirder. Yeah. We make a movie and we're like in memory of Woody Allen. (laughs) Yeah. What? He's not even dead. dead. (laughs) Right. (laughs) thanks Roman yeah. Polanski like it just yeah. you just keep going off on like <laughs> I would like to thank Harvey Weinstein people are still not learning this lesson today that having views and likes on any platform whether it's YouTube or Instagram or anything doesn't translate to actual real world applications and by that I mean like obviously I feel like if somebody somebody would have given him money whether it was like some independent studio or someone might have wanted to give him something but too often it's like everyone's like oh he has like a million views on this or he has like a billion views but it's my first thought is yeah but nobody had to pay to to view it on youtube like that's the problem youtube's free like once it becomes hey would you pay five dollars to go see that and everyone's like well i don't think i'd pay five dollars i'd i'd watch it for free but I wouldn't actually pay to go watch that. Right. Would you pay 50 cents per episode? Yeah, yeah, to watch this. And I feel like that's that's a, a common... I feel like it's going to be a common occurrence with any of these films is people on YouTube or YouTube itself thinking that, hey, everyone's been watching this stuff for free. I bet they'd want to pay for it at some point. And people have continuously been like, absolutely not, YouTube. I will refuse to pay for your service that you're still offering for free. Well... James has since, like after this, James Rolfe, he's made two really good documentaries. Um, what is that? The, the Other Side of Darkness or whatever. And they're documentaries. They're like four hours long a piece, but they're about like the history of horror. We should have had him come on our podcast. If I could get him, I would. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Maybe we can one day. Well, my original co-host from my old podcast told me about how he reached out to him via email. <laughs> and they had some sort of correspondence. So he seems like really? he's an obtainable human being to reach out to. He's in your area. He lives in, I think... Um, he's not in uh, our area. Isn't he in the, he's in the, Pencil, or, um, no. the Philadelphia area? He was born in Philly, but I think he's like a New Jersey guy. Is he? I thought he lived in um, 
Pennsylvania because he's always putting. Even if he on. lives in Pennsylvania, Philly and Pittsburgh are so far apart. Might as well be light years away. Might as well be two different states. I, I understand that. <laughs> I learned that when I lived there because I was like, oh, let's go to Philly. Yeah, we're closer to Cleveland than we are Philly. Yeah, for sure. I think you're like four hours from Cleveland. That's all it ever took me to get back there. You're driving like a grandma? Riding with someone else. I wasn't driving, but you get the idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm just messing. <laughs> I think one of the interesting things, though, too, when you watch this is, like I said, like, there's this kind of, remember all these toxic people and remember all these, like, problematic people that are, like, still in your movie and all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that. But it can't be that problematic, though, when no one's seeing your movie. That's kind of it, too. I mean, I had to find this on the Internet Archive. So if you're interested in watching this, the Internet Archive is the place to go and watch it. It's also available on his website. You can buy all of his movies. He has every single episode of AVGN on Blu-ray. He has all the movie on Blu-ray and DVD. I went on an NES cartridge. Can he do that? I don't know about that. He's got video games based on him. He's got, like, three games, I think, based on the Angry Video Game Nerd. So... And he's still around, like I said, like he still has a career. Actually, that's the thing that Chuck was talking about, the movie reviews. There was something like two or three years ago, it wasn't too recent, maybe pandemic 2020 or something. There were reviews for a movie, and I, I don't know, I'm making it up at this point. But I'll say it was like <laughs> Dune or something, and I saw that he had a review, and I'm like, he's still around? <laughs> Yeah, I was so surprised that he was still here. And as Chuck said, he was reviewing the movie in a very sensible way. That was more engaging than what he's doing in the earlier stuff. He's growing into a better reviewer. Well, I think he, he himself is in a position in his life where he's he's got two kids now. And he really doesn't have... He focuses on his kids. He makes that his priority. So he should be the angry video game dad. Right. And he doesn't really, like, put a lot of effort into doing what he did anymore. And by passing it over to ScreenWave Media, ScreenWave Media is now writing all of his content. And all he's doing is showing up as the face. That's not as fair to say that he's not putting in the effort. He's making it more collaborative, and I think that's a smarter decision. It gives him more time with his family. Yeah, but the content's shit. It's been really bad, and the people that he has on working with him, they're all problematic, and the internet, like, rips them apart. He should have been a trash father and just continued making everything himself. Yeah, forget these kids. Yeah. Well, he should—I think he should have retired the character on a high, and, I mean, he's been doing this for, like, 20 years now, because he honestly started this in, like, the early 2000s, because, like I said, I was in college watching him, and he was in college when he started doing this with his buddy, and— started it all from there and then he's responsible for like i said creating like i don't know are you guys familiar with the nostalgia critic yeah like the nostalgia critic wouldn't exist without him because the nostalgia critic wouldn't fuck off and leave him alone and kept like threatening to fight him and all this kind of stuff that was a publicity stunt. it was though. a publicity stunt but it was also that james didn't know who the fuck this guy was and this guy wouldn't leave him alone and kept doing this and finally he was like all right and he moved in and leave James alone. Right. <laughs> so, so now you get the nostalgia critic working with them on stuff. And it's like, you forced yourself into that guy's kind of feel the vision. And he's just a nice guy. You just got to kill him off. That's all. Just kill the character off. I think James is too nice. 
to be killed off? Well, I, yeah, I do. I think he he knows there's fans, and even though he's ready to retire it, I think he knows that people still want it, so he keeps doing it. He's going to be one of those people that are at a convention and he's playing the character when he's like 80 years old. Yeah. It's just a, you have kids, you're allowed to retire, no one's mad at you. They tried to do a podcast for a second, and it completely fell under, didn't do well. And they did try to do uh, video store reviews where it was him and then three other guys from Screen Ray Media. But the, other, the thing was is that James would sit there and not say anything. So you're going in because of him and you're interested in him and you want to see his content. And you are interested in his movie reviews because that's also a big part of him. And then you get three guys you're not familiar with just shooting their mouths off the whole I'm time. I'm getting shook like, because I feel like you're describing Chuck right now. People are tuning in for <laughs> Chuck, and he's just not saying anything. They're listening yeah, to us. You know. and they're like, that's not what we want. No. I feel like this is, that's happening, though, for like a lot of... I don't want to say... It feels like YouTube's... It, well, it's always changing. I know they, they're always uh, updating their terms, and that's why it feels like every every few years something... Like, YouTube starts to focus on one thing over another. Like, it started with, oh, just upload your videos. And that was, I can remember when it first started. And that's just where you went to see, like, funny people falling or something. Like, that was that was all right. everyone's videos were just, like, America's Home, America's Funniest Home Videos versions for for instant uploads exactly. of, oh, this person fell off of a truck or this person did, did this. And then... Or, like, people actually dying. Like, watch this video of somebody get murdered. Yeah, or straight up... Yeah, straight up like actual like car crashes or something like that, and then yeah, it like slowly changed to where I think guys like him came in of like the first people that started making their own content with the intention of like a weekly thing of people watching it. But even that slowly keeps changing and changing, and feels like a lot of those old YouTubers for the most part aren't aren't able to keep up with it, or they almost kind of like box themselves into being these characters that yeah they're now you're like trapped by it another one that i used to watch all the time was like i used to watch game grumps and i thought that that was hilarious they're but then, still around they're still around and they don't get nearly as many views and i think it's they're another one of it was funny to, at first when it's like oh yeah this guy's crazy and he always he's always screaming when he plays video games and he's he's he was almost the same like like he almost kind of like in a sense like kind of stole because uh uh, James Rolfe was doing his stuff before them even and he kind of already he kind of was even doing like the angry video game nerd but it was more just yeah. actual playthroughs than reviews but he kind of did the same thing where it was just everything was was oh this game's garbage and just screaming at the top of his lungs about how bad this game was and then it's like you can only keep that up for so long before people are like, oh, I get it. He's going to play the game and he's going to yell and he's going to be mad that the game's not good. And Or the nice version of like the Skyrim grandma. She was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She would just go off and be like, I'm going to see what this guy's up to. Yeah. That early Game Grumps, like Game Grumps started with JonTron too, which JonTron's yeah, yeah. now got his own entire career. And Game Grumps is entirely its own thing. But Game Grumps, no joke, is one of the largest money-making platforms yeah, on It YouTube just keeps going, day. yeah. Yeah, uh, Rachel's a huge Game Grumps fan. And uh, she just recently paid to go to the live game grumps where they do a q and oh, yeah. they do so their like, tour 
Yeah, she did like spend like two hundred dollars to go to that thing, so she could be part of the Q and A session and all that kind of stuff, so she could be like right in on it. So. Yeah, there's podcasts like that where the podcast is making several thousand dollars a month, and right. they'll do events like that, and people are going to see them. And it's weird because they're not the typical celebrity. Obviously, they got the fan base, but no. I don't know. I'm still at that point where it's like I am nostalgic. Maybe I'm just too early on it, but to have the angry video game nerd action figure or t-shirt just seems like too much like it, i don't know are you familiar with my brother my brother and me the podcast no no uh, that's one that rachel's hard into and she's also bought tickets to go see them live as well it this is why i wanted to talk about this we subject. did do a live podcast me and chuck went to a live podcast i remember that you guys did that one in that movie theater one time was chuck there for that no 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 no, no. no. we we recorded something live that was terrible but <laughs> no, we actually went to like a live taping for Doug Benson. Oh, thing. okay. Yeah, oh, I like Doug Benson. He does his, his Doug loves movies. They did that yeah. at the uh, the Pittsburgh Improv, which that was that was a fun time. Like it was it was weird, but it's like I don't know. It, it worked when you're sitting there, but I could just imagine I'm like I'm like man, who listens? Who sits there and listens to this? But I mean, obviously somebody does. I've actually heard a couple of those episodes. The games are funny. I wonder if there's times where they just drop the stuff because he's too high or it. <laughs> it just didn't translate <laughs> to audio. Yeah, I I don't. YouTube's walking a fine, uh, a strange line right now as like a, a channel, and I'm not a hundred percent sure where he fits in with all of this, where they're moving with the censorship and stuff. There's I mean, I guess look at his views. Say. His view count's gone down. Actually, funny enough, he had at one point in time, uh, his net worth was like over ten million dollars, and now he's at like six hundred thousand. I watched a video, it was too long. It was like an eight minute video, the top 100 YouTubers or something, based off of how much money they make. And it would just show just their names or a channel. And it just kept going up like a a graph. It was like a 3D graph, basically. Maybe out of the 100 of them, there were maybe 12 that I recognized. And they were from all around the world too, not just the United States. I'm a pretty avid YouTube person and I watch a lot of youtube drama because i guess i'm old now and that just interests me i don't know i like gossip i don't know that that would be an old thing it feels backwards to me it feels like it would be a young thing i just get really interested in it so like i have a huge knowledge of like all these people that like i don't even watch their content but i know all about the shit they do and all that kind of stuff so uh it's 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 a weird world i watch things based on if the algorithm gives it to me I don't regularly watch, like, anything on YouTube anymore. You're just like, what's on the first page as soon as you load up the app? And you're like, that's what I'm watching. Well, this is normally how it happens. Someone says, hey, this new trailer's out. And I'll watch a link to the trailer. And then in an hour, I'm watching videos of these terrible car crashes in Russia. Right. And then I get to, like, an even weirder part where this is a comedian that turned into a private investigator to take down pedophiles. And I'm like, where did I, like I was watching yeah. a trailer for that new Netflix movie with Anthony Mackie and uh, <laughs> David Harbour as a ghost. And now I'm watching some guy meet up with people at Walmart and, and get them arrested. Right. The commentary community, especially with the game stuff and all that, it's kind of heavily shifting to podcasts over the sort of, format of sitting in front of your camera and making jokes kind of thing like that's really moving away well like everybody can make a podcast everybody right. can do what we're doing 
And they're all established, so they already have that fan base. So what's what are they losing by making a podcast? All they're doing is making less work for themselves and getting to talk more about what they want to talk about. I wouldn't say this is less work, though. Oh, well, if you have to edit video and you have to plan your shots and you have to do all that, we don't have to do any of that. We're just sitting on our couch and talking into a microphone, and then we got to edit the audio afterwards. So it definitely cuts out one whole aspect of the process. I mean, you're really downplaying it. You picked this concept of YouTube movies. You have some sort of idea of what you want to talk about and how you want to discuss it, and you planned out the three movies that you're talking about. I know that you know where you want to go with this. There's an element of you don't know how I'm going to react to something or Chuck's going to react to something. That's part of the fun of the podcast, but it's not relaxed and lazy. Because if it is, then we don't know what we're going to say and we'll have a terrible episode. That happens all the time. I've went into things where I didn't do my research and it shows. It becomes a pretty bad episode. Yeah, I've been there. And, and you're not as carefree as you think you are. So far, I feel like we're having a good conversation. And I think it's kind of been where I want. I had an idea of what I want, but I also wasn't sure how things would go like i've had times when i've been with you guys and i feel like i i, I there's going to be a conversation and there's not so i'm really happy about this one because this is already going more in the direction i was hoping for but there is a bigger conversation here as as a film podcast because we discuss you know the medium and what's like chuck said at the yeah. beginning of this episode it counts angry video game nerd the movie counts that it is a film it's a movie that had a pretty decent-sized crew. They probably weren't paid well, I'm assuming. <laughs> probably a lot of volunteers. That was one of my reasons for not doing it, because I wasn't sure what I'd be paid or any of that kind of stuff. They're not flying you out there to, to do no. it. They're not paying for you. It's probably the worst craft service of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wanted to talk about some other, like when I talked about Nostalgia Critic, just just learn the history of his movies don't watch them i'm not going to watch them and I, that's why i didn't pick them because i was like i don't want to make us go through them because some of his movies are three and a half hours long and i'm just like i'm not sitting through that i'm not watching that but he makes these movies and like all you do is hear the horror stories about how they were forced to work out in the cold they were not compensated there was no craft services um, people got very sick people were treated terribly like there's no protections when you work with this stuff. I'm honestly not turned off by a long movie. I would be skeptical of something that is three and a half hours long by by YouTubers. Like, are you are you interested in watching a three and a half hour long film made by a guy whose content is he sits in a chair with a handgun and screams, and he's making a three and a half hour movie along those lines? I don't know. It depends what he's talking about. I guess if he can convey it and he can hold your attention somehow for that long. I mean, not with that synopsis, I wouldn't want to watch a three-and-a-half-hour version of that. <laughs> but that's what it is. It's, it's, it's him taking all of his content creators, bringing them all together, and saying, we're going to make a movie. I've watched Red Letter Media reviews of the Star Wars movies, yeah. the prequels. The first one's a little bit rough, but they get longer as they go on, but they get better, too. He gets better with two, and then he gets better with three. He did the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull one. That one's always funny to me. Yeah, he gets really good with that type of stuff. And then they realize to keep having content, they kind of have to just go back into their reviews right. and stick to like a half-hour format. But their longer things are funny. I can't remember the character's name. Mr. Plinkett. Yeah, Plinkett. He had somebody kidnapped in his basement. He's like giving them pizza rolls. Yeah. 
But the thing, though, that I think made it great was that the review itself of the movies was spot on. This is definitely somebody that loves movies and was like, this is why I'm disappointed. Right. That character was a lot funnier than Angry Video Game Nerd. Have you guys familiar with um, Pure Ownage? That was like a fake documentary web series about a professional gamer that was made in like the early 2000s. No. No, I mean, I might watch something like that. I watch King of Kong. Yeah, it's a great movie. I own it. So that's probably one of the best ones. And I've seen lots of other, like, spinoffs about the same group of people, and they all suck. Right. They're not good. I've watched the documentary about the E.T. game and them digging right. up the cartridges, and it's not good. It was better as a myth. I mean, I guess it was real, but it was better with the two-minute version of the story that you're like, what the hell? They buried them in the landfill? Like, that's interesting. And then when you're like, we're going to talk about it for an hour and a half, it becomes less interesting as, as you reveal more. I personally think it's an interesting story, but I don't disagree with you. Uh, you know what I don't miss, though? I'm so glad we're past that era where you were talking about the screaming. All they fucking did was scream. There was that point when it was just people sitting in their fucking chair playing games and screaming. And it's like so exhausting to sit there and try to find people that were worth watching. If you ask my loved ones, I'm always screaming. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't control the tone of your own voice. Like Markiplier. Mm -hmm. Markiplier's entire career is built on screaming at Five Nights at Freddy's. It's like PewDiePie's entire career is pretty much just screaming at games. Oh, I thought like... he was a Nazi. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, he has multiple careers. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very multifaceted... Fashion designer, Nazi... <laughs> YouTuber, <laughs> gamer, I mean. And then you got people like Ninja. It's like, you got to watch this asshole treat pe people like shit and play Fortnite. It's like the evolution's been unusual. Like when you look at when you look at the angry video game nerd, it all starts there. And it ends with like Ninja. So the Ninja thing I think is a little bit different because that... He's a pro gamer. Well, not just that. It goes back to a time before YouTube. I remember growing up and there have been times that you would go over to somebody's house and there were too many people to play the game. I mean, maybe they'd hand it off, but you'd have like the best player playing it. So you're getting together as a group as far through right. the game as possible. And it's the same thing as, you know what, maybe you don't have the money or the time, but you're like, hey, uh, somebody's doing a live stream of this game. I think I'm going to watch it for a little bit. Right. And you, maybe you're not exactly controlling it. You were talking about it before the podcast started. I know people that don't have PlayStation, and they've been watching live streams of people playing Last of Us. Well, they're still getting the story. Right. And they're getting all the stuff that you get through the gameplay as well as the stuff that's through the cutscenes. So ninja stuff or any of the streamers like in that kind of way. It feels more like that than stealing from the angry video game nerd. I, I feel like... The, the stuff like what you're talking about is more like watching competitive sports. Yeah, I was watching stuff the other day. It was drone racing, and they were oh, shit's a awesome. drone racing league, and they weren't even the real drones. They were video games. Oh, really? That's weird. I watched like seven rounds of it. I'm that like, who's going to win? awesome. <laughs> they fucking flip those things upside down and stuff. It's crazy. Now, I really do get out a kick of seeing the eSports athletes. Oh, and God. It's awful. They're, like, malnourished or too nourished, if you know what yeah. I mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> 100%. You know, that's the thing that Not I have a you hard see time athletes with. Anywhere else. When I look at my childhood and I'm like, I was good. I was fucking good. And, like, my friends were good. And I, I think about the... Good at what? 
whatever games like we were really oh, good playing games, games. yeah like, I, when i was a child i was good like a good and, child or and and you know we grew up we grew up like playing video games is a waste of your time like that was all it was ever treated as and so we all had that impression ingrained on us like even though we're really good at this thing it's still like a waste of our time and then it's like somehow 10 years later it's a viable career and i just look at my buddy and i'm like we could have been rich I, you were just too early for it because yeah, if you like think about it, just... when the people were starting to stream it, they're getting the viewers. And if they get the viewers, they can get sponsors. So now they're putting two and two together, and they know that they can make some money off of this. When you were playing the games in the 80s and the 90s, there's no way you're making money off of that. Even when they had the competitions, right? they never even put them on TV. No, I remember no. them advertising the competition for the Sonic and Knuckles game. And I think it was sponsored by MTV or something. I saw commercials to be in it and win a prize, but then they never air anything like that. I mean, they had the competition. There was, was a winner. I was a StarCraft player back in the day, and I was ranked 132 on the ladder, which, if you know anything about that, that's not small. Like, it's a fairly high level. Behind 131 Koreans. I think I was... I He's the number like... one American, then. <laughs> I was, I, I mean, my buddy was up in 48. Like, I mean, we were, we were some of the best StarCraft players at the time. Like, we had that shit down packed. That's what I did with my time, like, a lot. But there was no, there was no career for that. And now, like, there's huge StarCraft leagues and people have, like, all kinds of stuff with that. Korea, like you said, Korea is, like, still playing StarCraft to this day. And it's just, like, I, I think about that and I'm, I'm like, I could have made money playing StarCraft. Like, I, I can't even sometimes, I can't even wrap my head around it. You're not dead yet. Maybe one day you do make a lot of money just playing it. I don't want to. Like, I don't even really want to play games all that much anymore. Not that I'm, like, opposed to it, but it's got to be, like, short and interesting. Well, how about this? Maybe in the future you do something that you just casually enjoy and people are paying you to do it. That's what I feel like with a lot of these gamers and even the gamer YouTubers. Like, I feel like you get from a lot of them, they don't even like playing video games anymore because it turned into their job. Yeah, exactly. Like the people that do QA. Yeah, yeah, like the they hate games. They hate playing games cuz yeah, that's and I, that's what I that's what I feel like that's when it started. Not even that like uh like something like the angry video game nerd like, you know, him selling the character off and doing other things or not writing his own material. I I feel like even part of it's just eventually it becomes hey, review this game and then it's like all right, let me, let me put the game in, and then I, I'm gonna have to play it, and it's gonna be terrible, and I'm not gonna enjoy it. Like, but it, but I, yeah. I feel like he even gets a point that even if it was a good game, it's like, well, once once you spend ten hours of your day playing bad games, why would you want to just sit there and be like, okay, now I'll put the good game in? You're just gonna be like, no, nah, I'm just not gonna play games anymore. Right. I mean, I was a photographer professionally for years, but I also do photography as art, and anytime I was working and doing photography as my job there was no discussion about doing art photography i wasn't going out and doing my night shots or being experimental or any of that kind of stuff like i'm photographing kids in school and then i'm going the fuck home and i'm never doing photography for the rest of the day like you just shut right down with that it's not what were you doing school pictures yeah i was a school photographer for years i did it on and off because it's seasonal work so like for six months you're just like picking school pictures and then <laughs> smile the kid doesn't do anything all right get out of here next kid that's exactly what it was 100 percent. and i mean i did portrait studio work i've done weddings were you like joaquin phoenix and the master did you start <laughs> did you have a brawl with anybody listen there's a reason i don't do it anymore okay it's because i can't i can't deal with the parents and i can't deal with 
faculty in the schools anymore and the way they handle things. And I can't deal with these fucking kids telling me what to do. I was like, I'm not, I'm not putting up with that. Like, you got to have some degree of control and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I kind of hit my breaking point with a lot of it and walked away from it. It's not something I want to go back to anymore. But I loved it when I did it. It was actually some of my favorite work. And like I said, I, I love knowing that I was the guy who took the picture that's in the hallway of somebody's house that all your friends come over and be like, oh, you look like a dumbass in that picture. You're like, I took that picture. That was me. That's your mom's favorite picture. That's why it's on the wall forever. It's going to be there until you're fucking dead. Yeah. And then they get upset when you reach a certain age and you're not taking pictures every year. My grandmother would be like, I need yeah. a picture yeah, yeah. of you. I'm like, Grandma, I don't get <laughs> pictures anymore. <laughs> I'll never get any. More I don't portraits. go to like J.C. Penney's and get a serious photo with me, and my wife. You know, maybe if I had kids, I would do like the yearly right. photos. You would. You end up doing that. I did it when I had kids. So I like doing it. It was fun when you, it's fun when you have kids. It's not fun when you're an adult and you're just like I'm going to the portrait studio to take pictures from my mom. I guess like it's just weird. I'm not not doing that. <laughs> Walmart photo center <laughs> in the front. Right. Do you think that just off of what we started with today, do you think that we're heading for better films or worse? No, because you said we're heading downhill, so I don't <laughs> think that we're getting better. You already set us okay, up. You said this was the peak. So let's we're, pretend, we're at the top of the roller coaster. We're going down. We're going for the ride now. Let's pretend I didn't say that. Um, I, I can't. I can't erase that. <laughs> The next film's a little interesting because it's something that I was trying to work on and That's couldn't so get weird. my foot in the door for. Oh, well, it was because it was being shot locally. Yeah. And we'll get into it on the episode. I don't want to spoil everything. Uh, at the end of the day, I was not a part of it. I think you're very lucky for that. But the concept of it is interesting, but I still never watched the movie or the show or the other movie because it was two movies. And see... When we go into that movie, we're going to talk about a different side of YouTube as well. So today, we're trying to just focus the conversation on more the commentary side of the YouTube community, because this guy, like I said, established a lot of reviewers, not just in the video game space, but like a lot of other reviewers adopted his style, film people, car reviewing people even, that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of, a lot of crossover with what he kind of built and established. So I think he deserves credit as a pioneer of the YouTube system and creating like a format that's heavily regarded and stolen from him and used over and over. But also um, I feel like that side of YouTube is kind of reaching the end of its peak and that even though he's still around, he's just gonna keep falling off harder and harder and then Darren Aronofsky is going to make a movie like The Wrestler with him. That'd be great. I'd watch that. Where he's a, like a failed YouTuber and he's looking for his comeback. Do you feel when you watch this movie that this was a movie made by someone who didn't know anything about film? Or do you yes. It? Really? Okay. So it felt very like unpolished and raw to you and completely like they don't know what they're doing? Or do you think it was more like, someone trying to work within tight budgetary constraints no no it felt like somebody that didn't know what they were doing or were trying to take advantage of people by not paying them so they got the bare minimum do you think that if a studio had approached him 
to make this movie that the studio backing would have been something to make it a better film? Or do you think that it works better independently? I feel like if a studio would have got involved, they would have probably like minimized him to just being an actor, which probably would have suited him better to just be able to focus on that. Anyone taking care of more responsibility would have made for a better movie. If you let him write it and then let somebody else direct it and direct him, like Chuck said, yeah, I think you'd have a better movie, whether it's independent or or a studio. Or at least have somebody polish up his script or something. I mean, the credits in this movie were much larger than I was anticipating because I know how much of it he did himself, and I was surprised to see so many names at the end. I was like, a lot of people worked on this, but I don't... It doesn't feel like this many people worked on it. It does feel... I mean, some of the blue screen work or green screen work is absolutely dreadful. And there are entire shots that are... Like the opening shot where he's in his room, I'm like, he's in his room, but the actor that he's interacting with... Yeah, that that was... I was like, are they even going to be in this movie together at all? Because they are definitely (laughs) separate right now on two different screens. And even in the car sometimes, I think they were separate. There was this moment when I started this movie and I went, oh, oh, man. This is like way worse than I thought it was going to be. And then it kind of muddled out a little bit. And I was like, all right, all right. It's not so bad. I've laughed a couple times. Like it's. I think you would have been better off trying to get the B filmmakers that are still around doing effects and stuff like that. Like it would have paid to He's try to. He's friends with Lloyd Kaufman. Coerce He's them. good into... friends with Lloyd Kaufman. Well, he didn't, not good enough. He's in the movie too. He's at the end <laughs> playing a video game. He didn't have the help he needed. I don't understand that. He could have got backing from Troma. Like, that's one thing. Like, he definitely could have got studio backing from Troma. And then Troma could have helped him. It could have still been low budget and crappy. And, and he would have had high levels of creative control because Lloyd Kaufman will give his directors full creative control half the time. Like, that's one of the benefits of working with Troma is just the freedom that you end up with what you can put out. And, where he already was friends with him because he did a whole entire episode with him. I guess it makes sense because then eventually you're in a huge Suicide Squad movie and that director, James Gunn, was doing trauma films, so... Right. Do you ever think that that guy who was in Suicide Squad that was in this movie looks back and is like, remember that time that I was in the angry video game? This movie, this movie came... He was in this movie one year before he was in uh, Ant-Man. Wow. And after he was in Prisoners, which was a pretty big movie. But if they're working on it as long as they were, maybe this is actually footage from like 2010 or something. It's something. I'd say he had some good adult actors. Did you see the trailer for The Boogeyman? No. No. Based off the Stephen King story. Yeah, he's in that. I love the scene at the start of the movie with the guy who runs the video game store. (laughs) Keeps calling him Earl or whatever. That was funny. I like that actor a lot, and I like the guy who played the general. He kept losing bits of his body for, like, no reason. It was just, like, a weird plot point. Like, he was a good actor, but I don't know if his... I don't know if either of them added anything to the film. I don't even know if he was a good actor. The general guy? Yeah. I don't know. It felt like they were making fun of paraplegic people or something. It could have been funnier than it was with him, like, losing his arms and stuff, but he really had to point out how he lost his arm. Or they drove up in that Hummer or whatever the hell it was in the beginning, and then he's just like, well, somebody get me the fuck out of this car? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Some of these actors made me think of, like, your dad when you had him in your film, yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, are these just, like, family members or something that, like, 
he's just like directing to just you're angry and they're just like oh angry that means i just say the f word a lot and like just yell too loud yeah but i wouldn't cast my dad a two-hour role (laughs) if he was showed up for like what five ten minutes i think i could probably get away with that but his like weird tank wheelchair thing that they only had in the one shot and the other shot well the other shots they would only show like the top of it which was pretty much just i think him standing and wearing like a skirt and kind of like walking it himself there's definitely a i grew up in the late 80s early 90s era of comedy quality to this where you haven't grown up and understood like the evolution of comedy and like storytelling and you're just kind of stuck in that storytelling comedy can change right but it's it's the the humor is like raunchy 80s 90s kind of humor like you're only you're waiting for like the big reveal that they have like the woman has a dick like that kind of thing like it's it's that kind of dated not really like relevant to modern times humor that just kind of drags the film down a little bit oh i felt like it was trying to be a like a road trip type movie like the movie road trip like like, (laughs) yeah specifically that that movie (laughs) which the road trip stuff didn't need to be a thing i think you could have focused it in like a small town like road trip with tom green that road trip (laughs) yeah is this worse than freddy got fingered yes (laughs) (laughs) then i win I can go lower, can't I? <laughs> We're going into the seventh layer of hell or something, it sounds like. Do you think that I have the capacity to present you guys with a film worse than this? There's all yeah. of films you just worse. proved yourself. Wait, I mean... <laughs> you do walk a fine line of not having something to talk about. It gets that bad. You're all right. I think this was a terrible movie... I couldn't recommend it to anybody, but we did manage to have a conversation. Honestly, it's kind of in line with exactly what I wanted. We covered a film by a a YouTuber. We covered a specific genre of YouTube in our discussion, and we were very thorough in our discussion with it. I think you guys both know what I'm talking about a little bit more, and I think when we go into the next movie, it may not be the kind of YouTuber stuff that you would you guys would watch on your own but i think you get the direction that i'm pushing at with this Uh, do you think more youtubers should try to make films like this like on their own i don't mean i don't mean like because it's the stuff we're going into a little bit later gets more studio backing. if you want to make a movie you should definitely try to make a movie if you have the budget and it's something that you want the control of i i say go for it i wouldn't stop anybody from trying to make anything but like do you think that well i agree with that statement do you are they competent i don't know that's person by person is it worth even trying like is this content the kind of content that you generate movies around or are YouTube are YouTubers viable enough of a medium that you can push them and branch them outside of? Well, Chuck says no, and window. I think that there's nothing that proves that they can. But mm. I I feel like you could definitely get somebody making something great. I think of Craig Mason. He did Chernobyl, and it was critically acclaimed. He did shitty superhero movie and all this other crap beforehand. 
and I can't believe that that person made something as good as Schnobel. So I think that somebody could be making a very right. terrible YouTube channel and then somehow still make something that gets nominated for an Academy Award that everybody loves mm. and resonates with. It's not impossible, but... <laughs> what if you look at like the film that Chuck picked, um, The Escape from Tomorrow, and you put that next to this movie? And I know like story-wise... Well, like story-wise, they're both all over the place. Like, do you think that it's better to run with what you have? Like with with AVGN, he's running with what he has and what he what he's got to market. As Bill Murray would say, that's a loaded question. <laughs> There's no easy answer to that because Escape from Tomorrow. There were a lot of things that came back, so he had a different couple subjects, but it did stay within the realm of Disney, which was fine. Okay. This movie like jumps around so much. I don't think it knows what it wants to be. I literally think the guy wrote eight episodes, and that's all it is. It's not a coherent movie from beginning to end. It also feels like if you had to like stop and start recording too often, that like I don't know if he just like lost track of where he wanted to be in the movie, and then was just like like oh yeah we're we're gonna pick this back up in like six months or something. Because yeah, I know he was I knew he was working on this for a long time and like trying to get it off the ground, but. I don't know if that's the other thing with this film of there too much time in between and just being like, what were we doing last time? Oh, I think we were doing this with like aliens. And they're like, oh, I guess we'll just go more with right. that now. And like, so they're like picking up on the wrong things to like keep going. And he was making episodes of AVGN between this movie. And the other thing that he does is he does the monster badness, which those are his fucking best thing that he does. He does the Halloween. He does a horror movie review every day of the month of Halloween. Uh, he had to stop doing, yeah, he stopped doing those because he couldn't, he couldn't find the time to fit them in and make them function anymore because between making ABGN and making those like every day for a month and then did the right scripts for those and everything. It makes you just want to go live life. Yeah, it really does. It's like one of those things you just start working when you're a kid and you've just been working so long that like now he's our age and he's just like, I just want to hang out with my kids. I don't really give a shit. Like, you guys can take over. I'll come in and be AVGN if you want. But overall, like I, I'm at this place. But I feel like the sad part about this is that he really wanted to be a filmmaker. Like this was what this guy's life goal was: was to be a filmmaker. Like he wanted this more than anything. He he worked in the industry at some point in his life while he was doing AVGN, and he's always had like all these script ideas and stuff sitting on the back shelf. He's always wanting to make a movie one of his life goals is to make like a full feature-length film he made it but he did this is this what he wanted or is because he loves horror movies so he really is like when he's been trying to make like a horror movie for years that's one of his big things well then that's his mistake i don't know yeah i mean i you're not wrong on that. It's it's really up to the individual to find the, the Maybe he should have made the horror movie and had a cameo with an angry video game nerd character in it. Yeah, I think that maybe that was maybe that's part of the problem is that he that he focused too much on like something that maybe he wasn't completely interested in doing as a full length thing. Like I wonder if even at the time he was already like getting tired of the nerd thing and was like, Well, but that but I, again I feel like that's where his thought process was well, that's the only thing that my fans are going to want to watch, like right. I mean, maybe underestimating that that they would go out and watch like a movie that wasn't a nerd movie, but was just made by him. He needed to do like the earnest movies, you know, 
just put yeah. himself into these different scenarios. He goes to cons all the time. Like he's always a guest at cons and stuff. So well, what else not... is he gonna do? Right, that's where you make your money. So guest appearances and things like that. I I'd like to see James try another movie. I think that he has it in him to maybe make a better and more cohesive film than this. It's not the worst thing I've seen. I was going to say, when I brought up Pironage, I wasn't sure if you guys were familiar or not, but um, the guy who made that show was also a film person, and he was just recording his buddy and just kind of creating content. And it got picked up in Canada as a TV series. And so they had like 13 episodes of Pure Ownage that were made for Showtime, which Showtime's not what you it is down here it's a different network up there and it was like the weirdest thing to watch because you're just like i've been watching this like guy making these youtube things now all of a sudden it's a tv show and it just never felt viable as a tv show never worked right so i don't know i don't know if this whole thing works outside of this medium at least at least the reviewer format but do you think like when you think about growing up with people like Siskel and Ebert, stuff like that, like people whose job it was to review. Do you think that um, there's a place in hell media anyway, <laughs> anywhere for that format to come back, like a television reviewer? Or do you think that the review space has really become dominated by YouTubers and individuals with opinions over people who have like professional understanding of these things? I feel like you don't need a professional understanding to be a reviewer, and that's the that's part of the initial problem. Is because I feel like there's there's plenty of people out there that can review things just as well. I don't have any real experience in the film industry or anything, but it doesn't stop me from talking about it or having ideas on it. We and, keep trying uh, to stop you. Yeah, you can try to try to keep me down, but I'll I'll keep coming back with it. Um, yeah, so it feels like largely one of those things that yeah, I think the. It's getting more and more. I think there will always be like Rotten Tomatoes that'll put up those scores, but it's getting more and more where people just see, they, yeah, they go online to see what their favorite YouTuber says, or they'll go on Twitch or Twitter and be like, oh, what's this one guy that I think th that has like similar ideas that I do, and be like, what does he think about it? Uh, he said it was bad. I'm not going to go see it. So I think it's there'll always be professional film critics, but I don't think they'll ever be. You're, yeah, you're. I don't think you're ever going to have a ebert and siskel and ebert or ebert and roper that are on that level of they have their own weekly television you know with millions of people that want to see what do those guys think it's it's all just like you're going to find one person that usually has a similar opinion online and just be like oh, i'll just follow that guy do you do you think and i don't ask this in a derogatory way but do you do you think that me and justin we have backgrounds in do you think our thoughts and opinions on it have more validity than than yourself? Chuck definitely thinks no. that my opinions are better than his opinions. <laughs> I yeah, can just, speak for Justin Chuck has on the that. yeah, Justin has the best opinions. He's never been wrong a day in his life. Even the wrong opinions are still better. <laughs> They're more educated and Do you think that having the technical understanding gives you a better understanding of the film or do you think that when it comes to film review it's not really about that, it's about it's so it's subjective. Any anybody yeah, that even tries to say like that, that's what they always try to say is like film criticism's objective. But at the end of the day, it's not. It's not. It's never going to come down to 
oh, the, I could tell this guy used this lens and that means he's a good filmmaker. It's going to be like, uh, was that a good, was that good? Was it pleasing to see on the screen? And then this movie did not have a lot of things that were pleasing to see on the screen. Or did it help tell the story in any uh, yeah, sort of way? It's like, it's one of those, like, I feel like just generally like, like, yeah, do you understand how, how a film should be? Then you're good. As long as you don't have like a complete warped idea of <laughs> what a good movie is. That's fair. Next week, we are talking about Not Cool, made by Shane Dawson, one of the worst people in the world. And I'm looking forward to that discussion. And we're going to have Rachel on with us as a guest, so give some more perspective on Shane Dawson as a person. Shane recently moved to our area, and uh, I keep thinking about if I ever end up having to deliver flowers to him, what I'll do to his home. <laughs> get him on the podcast. I would fucking get Shane Dawson on my fucking best anything. You're like talking about him. Get him on the podcast. Eh. Let him defend himself. Oh, God. He doesn't need to defend himself. He's a cat fucker. I, I, what? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll find you the audio clip. Yeah. Uh, and with that. And the episode right there. You'll find out yeah. next week. Yeah. Yep. That's it, man. I just thank you so much for watching or listening to us. And Perfect. Uh, yeah. We'll see you next week when we're talking about not cool. Bye. Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.